0: Blog Talk Radio. What's up, Blog Talk Radio and the world? It's Vegas Vance. I'm back. This show is going to literally rock like that show I did last week, I have to give my apologies on the air for that debacle. Anyway, life is good. Pretty peaceful Sunday in Vineland, watching the complete meltdown of professional golfers of the U.S. Open. Other than that, we've got the legendary Glenn Osborne on this evening, and this show is going to be... Probably uh, beyond anything that even I would expect, and that's part uh, my mind comes up with some twisted Anyway, vegas sales and Marketing behind the eight ball. We're still we're still here. We're still setting the standard. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Radio, what's up, peeps? All right. First things f- first. I score the interview of my life. I get the legendary Ozzy Mayo on the air, and yeah, I heard it. It was one of my weaker performances. I'll fess up. I'll man up. But in my own defense, when you get a guy like that on the air. It- It often takes an entire show just to put his credibility out there, or none of you people would have believed it. So if I did anything right, at least I exposed a whole lot of you people to this dude. Um, But with that said, I apologize to the listeners. Um, I have a great show. This show's original. It's cutting edge. I often go back and refer to my old stuff as classic gold, which it is. But uh, Larry King, I ain't. And um, I certainly wasn't, uh, you know, going in with the objective of trying to monopolize the conversation. Um, I had nev- you know, hadn't really got a feel for Ozem and the way he spoke. I'm used to him talking faster than I am on his videos. Uh, he sort of surprised me. I am hoping the man will give me a rematch I posted it on the blog. I said, I'm going to have a naked porn star hold this sign-up. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get him back. Anyway, so there I said it. You're never going to hear an apology from me again. I've learned my lesson. Tonight's show is going to be literally off the chain. we got a gentleman by the name of Glenn Osborne, um, and I don't even know how to begin to describe the dude. I would say master of NLP, but... um, You know, that might not be his definition. I'm going to let him talk to you about a whole myriad of cool, twisted, and I might add powerful stuff. Um, As a lot of you know, I don't believe in destiny. I don't think things are predetermined. But I always have believed that um, people do intersect for reasons, and generally it's up to us to maximize them. And this is one of these strange deals where I just sort of ran across this guy, and I can't even remember how the hell I found him. But we've uh, clicked really, really well in the past week. He's got some incredibly powerful information. He's got some big-time hookups with some remarkable people. I don't even want to call them marketers. I'm just talking flat out legends. I mean like, you know, uh that he's modeled. Some of the strangest, weirdest copy and headlines you'll ever read. And this guy is definitely gonna come at you with a perspective that I don't think you've ever heard before. So if you're expecting a normal, you know, run of the mill NLP or copywriting or marketing show. Uh, well, you normally wouldn't be tuning into my show anyway for that, but I think you're going to be in for a real treat. I'm going to just um, basically outline some some stuff to go over with Glenn, and I'm going to attempt to keep my yap shut and let him do the talking, and we'll see if that's even possible. Uh, Still, if you're out there and get the kitties to sleep, my uh, switchboard would be available for your Canadian number, so... Ringing if you can, Glenn Osborne. Are you on the air, brother? Hello. Yes, sir. <clears throat> How is I'm, it going? I'm on? here. How's it going with you, sir? I am great. Excellent. Um, you know, I've titled this show NLP Mind Control, and I, you know, I made it hypey because that's what I do. But I think the first question I wanted to ask you is, what? is the difference in your mind between NLP, which, you know, is neural linguistic programming, a lot of us have heard of it, and let's say, as opposed to hypnosis, uh, conventional hypnosis, uh, either, you know, the therapy type, type or the stage type or whatever you want to, you know, however you want to categorize it. How would you, um, before we even get into you, I just want to try to see if there is a difference in your mind between the two.
1: Okay, um, <clears throat> I should preface this by saying that this is all my definition, not the traditional That's fine. NLP and you got to speak as loud as you can,
0: brother, into that phone, too. We were...
1: Yeah, this is my definition, not the uh, traditional NLP or hypnosis association, guys. <clears throat> I have a lot of customers that buy my NLP. They say it fills in the, the blanks that are missing in the traditional stuff. So um, just simply, NLP can be used while people are walking around and talking you know they're wide awake uh... you think of hypnosis as being in a room lying down you know being put to sleep or on stage where they're under you know uh... walking like a chicken or dog right. you know, like a dog or something So the difference is that nlp is being used on you for marketing in the movies and i have a different take <clears throat> my first advanced NLP seminar scared me to death. Uh, they were, the guy had everybody barking like dogs and chickens and walking around like ducks. And, oh, my God. <clears throat> so, so that, that almost sounded, me.
0: and that was an NLP seminar as opposed to a hypnosis. Man. So in other exactly. Words he was in, okay, I got you.
1: I, was, I decided right down there that to keep people out of my brain, I needed to learn this stuff so I could spot it coming at me and block it. So, I I sort of have a different approach. I'm teaching people to learn it so they can, you know, protect themselves.
0: Okay, and we're going to totally get into that. Let me ask you then, because this has always been something I've been fascinated with, and, I mean, I mentioned the NLP, I mentioned the hypnosis. Where does subliminal advertising fall into this? Um you know there's there's a lot of people call that a, a one big giant conspiracy theory uh There was a great book put out God I wish I had the title of it put out by a gentleman several years ago um it, it that showed certain pictures that when you really looked at them and of course some people say you'll see anything in an ad if you want to but there there were some definite examples um like in alcohol um ads where certain things did appear to be a little ghoulish in those ice cubes, at least in my perspective, Um, is subliminal advertising something that um, is something you find credible or is it a urban myth or um, do they do airbrush? Uh, I mean, I have seen certain Calvin Klein ads where there definitely appears to be certain parts of the anatomy that are airbrushed in at certain angles that once you're able to spot them, you see them very obviously. Um, just curious as you, before we move on on your thoughts to that, because this kind of falls into the same category a little bit.
1: Well, I've researched that also, and you're right. Um, although there's not been any tests showing that that kind of Ice Cube or Calvin Klein, I've seen the same things you have, Mm -hmm. have had any effect on sales. However, they have done some scientific tests where little snap things on a movie that might be a half a second, they got a couple words in there, increased popcorn sales by 40% and things like that. So talking about measurable, uh, subliminal, there's a little bit to it, but I haven't really bothered with it. Why bother with subliminal when you can be right there in people's face and they don't see it, they don't oh, hear you? Which
0: brings us to a question because I'm going to tell you something. I've had a lot of people talk to me about a guy named Darren Brown, and I think I, I asked am. you a question about him. What? Give us your honest take. What is he doing? You know, you're going to. And of course, there's always. And again, I'm very open-minded about this because I am not an expert in this subject. You are. Is Darren Brown a good magician? Is he a sleight-of-hand artist with the mind? Is he applying these strategies to a higher degree than other people? He obviously has some, based on what I've seen, I'm guessing he definitely has a talent. I'm trying to figure out what the hell it is he does. I've gotten well, I've, a lot of interest with him. In fact, when I mention the name Darren Brown, half my younger staff waitresses said, Oh, my God, that he's so cool, blah, blah, blah.
1: He's, uh, he's a very talented man. Uh, okay. What he's done is probably um, he's interviewed a lot of people in the prestidigitation, you know, magicians, yep. the uh, fairs, the, the people who are in front of people who are doing it, who've got little strategies, and he's combined all this stuff. I can imitate some of what he does, and you know the energy and and, and combining auras and affecting people. But he's um, he's way out ahead of a lot of us.
2: Uh, so you're in a saying lot of areas. in
1: your
0: mind legit. This isn't it's like legit. A, a case of David Blaine appearing to float in the street doing you know uh, a levitation move that I I actually know how to perform. So you're yeah, the, I've, that's I've watched, your.
1: I've watched David Blaine. He's he's good, but
0: uh, but he's a magician.
1: He, yeah, he's a magician. Gotcha. Okay.
0: All right. I just I I just found it fascinating because um, I think maybe what caught my interest was the fact that I've got a lot of waitresses in the eighteen to twenty five year old you know female demographic, and they just go nuts over that guy, which yep. probably. Um, is by design somehow, too. It was very interesting, the reaction I got when I brought his name up. Um, Let's talk about um, one of the things we had on the outline was, um, I don't know if it was a title or just something we wanted to talk about, and I assume this applies to you or your background. Let's talk about the farm boy who hated school and college. Um, I wasn't much into school or college, but I wasn't a farm boy, so we've got some... uh, we got something in common if we're referring to you or,
1: oh, <laughs> or, or somebody
0: else or a case study. What's that about
1: you didn't like school either
0: terrible uh no I was a te- I was a high school bookmaker. I made more money in a week book and parlay tickets and uh oh. than I did in school I actually was a pretty good student. it just uh was um I knew early on that there were bigger and better things out there for me, but let's talk about you.
1: Well, uh, my, my personality is such that I can't learn by having people talk at me. Right. So um, my early days in elementary school, we had a Miss Whip who lived after her name. She would hit you with the ruler if you misbehaved. So I got a lot of experience wearing the dunch cap, and um, then there was a Miss Lamotte. I guess they're all dead now, so I can talk about them. Who this wasn't a cap school by chance, was it? No, this was public Uh-oh. school, elementary oh, okay. school. okay grab you by the hair, and then grab you upside down and put you in a trash can. She was six feet, 200 pounds, a muffle, and she had us terrorized. So um, that was my introduction to elementary school, and it sort of set the tone. I, hated, I hated it all the way through to college.
0: Yuck. So you had the nurse ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, basically, yes, in sir. elementary. And see, for me, it was an opposite experience. I had pretty good teachers. Um I didn't have Lucky a bad you. experience that way. had sociable <laughs> skills were pretty good, but uh, so anyway. Now, when you say farm boy, where, where did you grow up? I mean, give me give us a little background on that.
1: Well, I grew up out in Baltimore County, so we had two or three gardens, and we raised steers, and we met all of our neighbors because the trees would fall down, the fence would go down, and we'd be chasing steers for five, six, seven miles in the dark. You know, uh, have to bring them back home.
0: Um. This is very interesting because um, I'm hearing a common theme from some of the great marketers of all time, including the one I had on last week, which, uh, again, that was a show I bungled, so I'm going to attempt uh, not to do that with you. But um gentleman I had on last week, Ozumeo, actually – enjoyed the door-to-door selling he did as a kid and from what I'm understanding one of the things that you you used to do is uh, sell vegetables door-to-door
1: I I discovered by selling vegetables door-to-door because we had huge amounts of extra so dad said well let's go out and sell them so on Friday we go down there that's how I discovered, you can imagine here I am nine or ten and I discovered women stored their extra cash in their brassieres
0: My mom still does.
1: I was, uh, you know, shocked when I first discovered this. So I thoroughly enjoyed my vegetable career. And when I started selling advertising for basketball programs and stuff in college, um, I went to the people that were doing mind control and hand-reading gypsies. They were all home. You know, you could talk to the owner. But I would come out of there dizzy. I mean, they know hypnosis like you wouldn't believe. Now, I was step sort back.
0: Of... When you're you're we're going, so we we you know. We, so you you're kind of your first taste at the entrepreneurial life was doing the door to door. How did you? Yep. How did you pitch vegetables door to door? Now and about what, time, what time frame are we talking about? Give me kind of, put this in people, because obviously door-to-door selling is a little different now. I mean, there are certain
2: no, places it hasn't in the country,
0: changed. well, I'm talking I, more geography. I know.
1: would disagree. I'd say door-to-door has not changed at all. The only challenge is you have to find people at home. So you want well, to go that's sort of Saturday. what I, meant. I was
0: more referring to the, the geography part. You, it sounded like we're doing this in a rural area. Yeah, Am this I was correct?
1: well, I, we would come down to the rural, you know, the certified okay. part of Baltimore.
0: But what was the, actually the, your pitch? I mean, that, that's what I'm getting to. I agree, the same premise has not changed. It's well, no the different. pitch
1: was, you know, you have fresh vegetables, and you got a truck full out on the, the parking lot there, by the you know, pumpkins and all kind of stuff, and you say you have a choice of getting in a car. Driving to the store and getting old, stale stuff, or you can buy vegetables cheaper from us. We got them right here. So it was easy. We sold everything.
0: Very interesting. And it made the housewife's job probably a lot easier because they saved her a trip to the market as well.
1: So we had uh, corn and beets and you name it, beans.
0: We had it all. Excellent. Now, when you was in, okay, so now we're jumping ahead to college. And let me ask you, for a guy who didn't like school, what, how, the, how in the hell did he end up in college? And what were you attend, at that time um, hoping to study, or what, 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 what well, was your I, objective I, there?
1: I, I was good at playing the trumpet, and I had one of these voices in when I was a kid where I mm-hmm. could hit any note. So I was one of these little kids that I've sung in 50 or 60 weddings, and so I started in music, and I hated that. And then I moved to political science, I hated that. Okay. I moved to history. Anybody can sail through in history, so I met a couple millionaire college uh, professors that sent me to the library to get Caesar's commentaries and different things, and I learned how to find information. That's all I learned in college. Barely got Well, through. I'm
0: fascinated by what you just said about millionaire college professors because it always reminds me of the school with Rodney, the movie with Rodney Dangerfield, Back to School, oh, yeah. about the guy trying to teach a business class. Um, and that's really what he taught, was theory, that uh, there's a consensus among a lot of people that, that most of these people that teach business, they themselves don't, you know, exactly uh, fit the entrepreneurial, uh, you know, t- uh, stereotype. Uh, true. And I, I found that to be fairly true. It sounds to me like, could you could you name the, na- the, the name of the particular college? Because if you actually had two millionaire professors, they obviously weren't making that, teaching it. They must have been out there in the market at some point
2: doing
1: it. That is, that is correct. One of them was doing special movies uh, of cultures in other countries, like Teotihuacan, Mexico. You know, mm-hmm. He made a lot of money you know, making movies. Uh, it was Western Maryland College. and Talking about marketing, they've since gone to a big group of marketeers who convinced them to change the name of the college. So I can't even tell you what the name of the college I went to is now. Um, well, that's
0: uh, it's it's just interesting to me. That's something I, I don't I don't think I've ever had anybody ever mention that, that they had a college professor that actually did it. Um, that's that's just not the norm. Um, how did we get? So you're in college and you're selling advertising. Was this advertising on the side or was it for college publications? Hmm.
1: Well, I was interested in sales, so I would volunteer and call, you know, people who graduated to raise money. Um, You know, they had students doing that.
0: Fundraising for the, okay, I got you. Yeah,
1: so I did that, and then they, you know, need somebody to sell advertising for the school newspaper or the basketball program or whatever. So, you know, I was out there talking to people because I'd done it before. It was easy.
0: What was easy? Why? Now, see, because I'm going to be honest with you, most people wouldn't say, uh, you know, um, I, you know I, in fact, Dan Kennedy made a good point one time. He said, you know, the problem with most advertising reps is they're not marketers. They come in there, and their sole intention is to sell you the particular publication that's in their hand, whether it's, uh, you know, fits your demographic or not. Um, that's what well, an ad rep hmm. does. I'm what what of, were you, What when you said you were good at it, were you... Were you working with various different media's, or were you selling face no. ads, or? I was, or?
1: Going, I was selling face to face, but I was selling ads in the basketball program, the baseball, okay. the newspaper, and I cheated. I'd find people are already advertising, or the board of directors, or the guy that was bo- selling the sports department a lot of you know equipment, and say, you know, you think you're always selling stuff, uh, why don't you advertise here? Okay. okay, you know they sort of had it budgeted; they could write it off their taxes. I went to the guys who had
2: that's a great a lot idea of the right r- there. That's a risk. great
0: tip. That's a great tip right there for, and it's a very basic but excellent tip. I, I'm gonna, I wrote that one down because uh, we have a lot of access in my course to advertising. That's that's very interesting. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, that's that's all I had to say about that. I, I went to people already spending money. Uh, in other parts of the college who, you know, if they advertise, they might get to sell more. So, you know, help win-win.
0: So you were good at that. Let's
1: talk about... And I I am known for being
0: real brutally honest on this show, and I this, this might be one thing, you know, and and it's kind of funny because I don't have a right. They always say don't, you know, unless you've got as much money as a guy, you got no real right to say anything. But as a consumer... I found an interesting, number one, um, and, I, and by the way, I don't know if the number is 1.2 million or 12 million. But, 1.2. Uh, 1.2 million. Um, let's talk in that particular figure in regards to Jay Abraham and I... how that led to networking, kind of piece that together. Uh, there's mm. uh, there's that something that I had written down in my notes that you had mentioned to me, Um you basically either spent or obtained or got one point two million worth of you know in you know and I guess that would be the the value or the pricing of various materials seminars et cetera um, that were based around Jay Abraham and I do know that no. at certain times uh Jay would have twenty five thousand dollars seminars they were not
1: cheap um, that's that's what I did. I sold five thousand fifteen thousand dollar seminar seats.
0: Now this led. This basically was your objective at that time, because you perceived Jay as the go-to guy, or was it more to network? Because what, from what I understand, I wanted, you I wanted you, to you, network. Okay, and you did very well at that, because I'm looking at some of the names, and we're talking about guys like, unless you know, people out there are living in a friggin' cave somewhere, uh, Ted Nicholas, Joe Sugarman, uh, Jerry Buchanan, Bill Myers. I mean, these we're talking about some of the biggest, I, I don't want to just, uh, I mean, it goes beyond, uh, the, the, you know, let's just call them badasses and the legendary type figures. Yeah, they're,
1: they're, all, they're all geniuses is what they are.
0: How did that come about? How did, how did we make the transition from college? How did I, because I, I, I want to kind of, I don't want big gaps well, here. How I did guess, we get,
1: um, what got you to entrepreneurs... Abraham, I guess? A lot of the entrepreneurs that I've talked to say, in order to get to the money, you want to fail as fast as you can without spending money. So I've had several dozen jobs. Um, you know, I get promoted real fast, and I'm usually fired. So eventually I found myself uh, managing. Um, I was supervisor at first of janitorial and then maintenance and pretty soon managing the, a university, you know, the housing department. Right. So I needed help. I had 500 employees. They were all trying to kill each other. Um, my bosses, you know, were they had a whole, It was awful. <clears throat> so at that point, I got a letter, 50-page letter from J. Abraham. He said he was going to double your income, and if you didn't make it all back, 15 grand, in 18 months, he'd refund all your money. Then there was one line that said, as long as you're able to prove that you've done two or three things, well, I right that was easy, you know, I. So I signed up, went, and I discovered myself in a room with 800 people who'd paid 15 grand. How did you get
0: the 15 grand? This is kind of where I'm going because it sounds to me.
1: Well, was I was it, making good money. Uh, oh, so managing. you were actually,
0: you know, you were okay. actually hitting the bricks, and so you had a little cash. Okay, so you paid the yeah. 15 grand, and I'm sure Jay but, wrote a fifty-page letter that sucked you in, and you ended up there. I only there. paid
1: once. I only paid once. After that, I bartered my way into 15 more of Jay's seminars. To meet self-made millionaires.
0: Now, see, that's fascinating to me because that's, of course, a niche I teach about. We'll talk about that later. But so uh, you then started attending these. Um, let's talk about some of these people. And and when you mean network, we're not talking about well, where you walk up, shake your hand, say, "Hey, uh, Mr. Sugarman, I really like your blue Block or sunglass commercial."
2: No, you, You've been able
0: leverage you, to these. You, Jay to would that. let
1: people stand up and, and brag about how much they'd made. Mm-hmm. with his ideas. sure. So I'd take notes about where they were sitting and who they were, and when it came for lunchtime or the break, I was at the back of the room saying, okay, you you doubled this insurance sales in four states with thank-you notes. Okay, but how did you do that? I was the only one there. So the guy told me that they made $400 million. He was sales manager for four states of you know XYZ Insurance Company, mm-hmm. and he wrote this thank-you note and... He told me exactly how he did it. And if you read my newsletter, my free e zine, it starts with a thank you every single time.
0: It does, even your emails to me. That's correct. And we'll get into your emails because, and please don't be offended, but the term I've used is uh, I think Sylvie and I use the term when you're done reading something you've written, you feel as though sometimes you've been mentally molested.
2: (laughs) I'm sorry about that.
0: I don't mean it like the Uncle Charlie (laughs) who had bourbon on his breath and said, promise not to tell. I'm talking about the stuff is powerful.
1: What I do is go deep.
0: You also seem to always... uh, I told my copywriter, Brian McCloud, who nothing impresses very often, That's just the nature of the beast, but we still love him. Um, I said it's it's, it's almost unnerving to to get stuff mailed to you that seems to, to, I guess the word I'm looking for, expose things that you really shouldn't know.
2: That Hmm. you know,
0: I don't know how really to explain this. When you get when you start getting connected with Glenn, he starts emailing you. um, It's almost like um, you got somebody in bed with you, and uh, or watching you undress. I'm trying to think of the metaphors here. Oh my goodness, did I come up with a few good ones? But I mean, you do. Oh, maybe (laughs) maybe a a more politically correct way of saying it is, you seem to have very, very good insight based on some rather simple back-and-forth communication.
1: Well, number one, I learned that from Gary Halbert. Um, I can't man, wait to get into
0: him. Uh, that man is him for the
1: one second. genius uh, of copywriting. But the other thing that you may not be aware i and I'm, you're scaring me here with this in-bed stuff, but... <clears throat> well, no, I don't want
0: to be in bed with you.
1: <laughs>
0: um, I'm using, no, I'm just saying that some of your stuff When you read it, it's you know, it's there's certain things in my head that I prefer to keep there, and uh, okay, it's maybe it makes some of the stuff may makes would make someone feel a bit vulnerable, and Uh, at the same time, that's so fascinating to me this isn't like I'm paying Sylvia Brown nine dollars a minute so she could yeah. read my fortune. I mean, this is not. what well, we're not talking about some psychic reading here, people. This is just. It's it's just very, very fascinating that by answering a few questions and establishing some rapport with you, that you have not only good insight, but you then turn around and provide lists of solutions and ideas that you know are spot on. And thank you you do a a, 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 almost too well because certain things that you brought up it was like, oh God, he's right I almost wish he didn't go there so there's a talent for that Um, before we go further into that one of my one of my idols i don't know why I, I like this guy because i I didn't have the opportunity to see Gary when he was alive. I've listened to every audio i love the gary halbert uh website um i've often I've, said i've I thought watched he was i've a been better. to
1: gary's i've been to Gary's events several times he was an amazing guy.
0: I've often and tell me, give me your opinion. My my Brian McLeod, my copywriter, he meant this in the best way. He loves Gary. He said Gary was one of the great bullshitters of all time. He said that was his ability to tell a great story. I and I've often I used to think maybe he was a better marketer even than copywriter. But I think Brian, I think Brian's point was that. Gary could take almost anything and weave a story into it, whether it was uh, cosmetics, True. whether it was uh, selling the Rolls Royce. Um, and I still think, and 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 you see Dan Kennedy now pretty much with the same style. Dan the same Dan, worked,
1: Dan worked Dan yeah. worked for Gary Hubbard for yep. many years, so.
0: What about give us your give us some stories on Gary? Because again,
1: right. um, I got a I couple. Love, love
0: the guy. Uh, the gun to the All head, Gary. Right. The sell shit people, here's want a, theory.
1: Here's a story that nobody probably has heard from Gary Hubbard. Um, I've had several people call me and say they were in Gary Hubbard's car while he was driving around uh, Key West. And I said, wait a minute, you paid Gary how much? You know, it was like ten grand or something. And he said, "Yeah, Gary didn't want to be in his office, so he's dictating sales letters and copies while he's driving back and forth around his little town of Key West." I was laughing. <clears throat> I said, "It's really a trip." So, um, later a guy called me and he said he was a one of Gary's copy cubs. I said, "What is a copy cub?" Well, Gary lets us live in his house and we we drive his car and go shopping for him and and in, in turn, he lets us do all, you know, help him with the copy and what marketing. What time period
0: here, real quick, um, Glenn, are we talking about? Are we talking the 80s, 70s? Could you just kind of fill us in kind of a...
1: Um, probably 70s and 80s, yeah. Okay, gotcha. Because um, he moved from Ohio down to Key West. Right. And then he always had a boat, so... Uh, he sank millions into various boats. Uh, Gary
0: likes toys, didn't he? Gary didn't mind yeah. spending some money. It sounds like. Well,
1: uh, I talked to several people who said that Gary wanted to thank him for something, so that he gave him a house, or wow. he gave him his new car. You know, he was tired of it, or or he didn't. He didn't like where the gas pedal was, or some silly thing. He just gave it to him. You know, he spent fifty grand, gave him a new car. So That's generous, very but,
0: interesting. It uh, kind of reminds me of when Mike Tyson got pulled over one day in a brand-new Bentley and uh, just said, told the cops, wasn't even trying to bribe him, said, hey, you guys just keep the car.
2: <laughs> and, I hadn't so heard that, that one. was that
0: mentality, which is probably why Mike sunk through $100 million, I think, when you yeah. had no money. I don't know. That was always interesting. What is the story about the uh, – there's three things I want to talk about. To you about gary about that you have insight in one okay. is the pink mercedes and okay. how because gary liked the ladies too oh, i yeah. could figure that out real easy by listening to
1: him yeah i've met several of his girlfriends and they were all were always very curvy yes um okay, a nice way of saying, saying yeah <laughs> let me let me talk about the red mercedes or the hot pink mercedes i should say now, i got this from one of his copy cubs who was complaining he says, i got to drive Gary around, because if he drives, he keeps running into things. I personally think that Gary did, uh, did that on purpose, so he doesn't have to drive. But um, anyway, Gary would buy a Mercedes and have it painted pink. And then he would drive around, or have himself driven around, and every time they stopped at red light, beautiful girls come running over to the car saying, oh, love your hot pink car. Okay, so the the copywriters are complaining because when a guy come over and say, "Man, what are you driving, guy? It's not my car," you know, it's That's his. He's the...
0: questioning his manhood. They've yeah, been... yeah, they think you're gay.
1: You. But then Halbert would start laughing at them when this beautiful girl comes over in a low cut, whatever, and uh, leans over and starts giggling, and you know, and Halbert would. They would also complain. Halbert would read his latest newsletter. He'd say, I'm the the world-famous Gary Halbert. Have you seen my TV commercial? And, you know, he he mentioned a bunch of stars he worked with. And then he'd say, what do you think of this headline? So the the copy guys were bored out of their minds because they've heard the same headline each time. They didn't realize, I have to do the same thing with my copy. He
0: wasn't selling to copywriters, though. He was selling to those girls coming up to the car.
1: That's correct. So he would change one word each time. The first sentence he would keep playing with. So I've been in the room with a 1,000 people when he read one of his newsletters. 995 of those people stampeded out the door to buy his latest offer when he just read this thing into the microphone. It was incredible. And I thought, how did he get this thing so perfected? he could empty a room. Now you, you know. Do you what offer
0: that was? Just out of, off the blue. I mean, he had so many. Um, any idea? Well, it was,
1: with... there was one where he had um, explained that he did this thing with a private investigator, a friend of okay. mine. And um, the guy flew to Gary's seminar, and it, you know, he talked about how much money the food was and how much the airplane was. Can you speak a, a five, little louder, thousand, Glenn? I'm sorry. It was a five thousand dollar event, okay. and um, you know, he. he Actually added up the amount of money you'd have to spend if you'd gone and bought that seminar, and he says, "If you want to pay 15 grand, which is about the total, uh, you could have bought that program and gotten rich." He says, "However, I'm giving it away for the next half hour to anybody who becomes a lifetime subscriber to my newsletter. It's only two grand, and I'll break it into five, uh, four payments of 500 dollars that you can pay once a month. You know, for four months. Right. Wham! all place emptied."
0: unbelievable that is very
1: that's very... So, Gary Gary is my copywriting mentor i i've got every newsletter he ever wrote and uh helped me more than anybody else
0: uh, that you know and, and that's awesome because like i said when whenever, whenever um whenever i mention i don't just say copywriter i say he was my probably favorite Marketer of all time. Um, I saw. I, maybe it's because when you uh, when you got flaws uh, inside yourself, it's sometimes easy to spot them in others. And there was a lot inside Gary in terms oh, yeah. of he did have his he did have some issues within himself that I can relate to very well and spotted. And I think there was a I think with a, listening the first time, hearing him talk. Um, what really changed the way I did things in 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 life in general was it nowadays I mentioned so often that they teach mediums and they teach blogs and they teach Twitter and this and that. Gary cut to the chase and he started with the premise you gotta sell shit people want, preferably stuff they can't live without and um not okay, theory. you just
1: you just said something very smart. Gary Halbert's the only one who ever spit this out properly. Uh, a lot of people go out and they say, test. Well, that doesn't work. you got to test to the people, the niche that you're selling to, because people outside that niche, suppose you're selling to golfers, right. and you're going out on the, in a mall asking people, what do you think of this headliner, what do you think of this offer? And they don't golf. That doesn't count.
0: You know, that, that's an excellent point, because you know what? I see a lot of marketers test between themselves. That doesn't work? You know, a copywriter will send his copy off to ten of his copywriter friends, and ultimately...
1: Wrong.
0: uh, Yeah. You know, and it's funny, um, that was one of the stories I told you about what Azameo did in terms of getting a certain gentleman to outsell um, an entire state in terms of Mercedes, and what he basically did was, for the first six days, he told this guy, basically, well, everybody else tries to sell the car, find out what they want, really, and they determined that about seven out of ten wanted a different class of Mercedes. At that point, Mm -hmm. when he was armed with that information, he was able to go out and cut deals with um, every Mercedes dealer in town that fit that criteria would basically then go up to the customer and say, look, there's 13 dealers here in the state of Indiana that have the exact model, make, and certification that you're looking for. I have the list. Would you like me to put it together for you? We can sit down and go through it together. Now, that was done on a street level, but the reason I think that was effective is, again, you're you're ultimately the people that are banging the credit cards are the people that you need to worry about, not your peers, because uh, that's there's a lot of great, uh, you know, there's a lot of great people that can write and put the words on paper. But it, the bottom line is, I'll take an ugly a sign in the desert says "Got Water" over a 12-page, you know, fluffy, drivelly no offer type thing that's. Professionally written, because ultimately the way you judge the success of any campaign is only one way—in the amount of money it makes. That's and fine. I think, uh, and, and I think that I think you just nailed it. Uh, that's how you test. Oh, test with. I, I, interviewed
1: a, I interviewed a number one Cadillac salesperson, a woman, and asked her what she did that got her to number one, because you know nobody else was even close. Very similar to Azam's uh, strategy. She mm-hmm. said, number one, she went through the trash cans of all the male salespeople. I said, well, why did you do that? She said, well, I noticed they were trying to force people to buy a car they didn't want. So back. she'd go through and call them back and say, I'm you know, just starting out. She'd pretend not to be successful, and I'll give you help buying any car you want. And they, So they'd come back and buy a car from her. The second thing she did, she said she hang out in the repair shop, because she figured that anybody who's getting their car fixed must be getting old and they're ready for a new one. Number one.
0: Excellent. That and let me ask you about females in general. Um, I have a theory. I don't know if you've got that far in my course, but I call it the Red Bull theory, which is um, a Red Bull is that energy drink that um, yep. yeah and the way they marketed it it was very brilliant they would send in a very very attractive girl
2: who would they walk in and still do big,
0: and still do with a big smile on her face oh. and i'm going to be honest with you um i still have a case of red bull and it's been 3 years um <laughs> I drank one can, and I thought it was like liquid methamphetamine. I don't think I slept for two days. But the point being is I think an attractive, sharp woman has more power uh... then they realize in terms of sales because for some reason if i had walked in with that case i'd probably been shown the door this particular girl had it down and it wasn't that she was such a great salesperson it's that she positioned herself to a point where a either i wanted to uh... get a date or b i didn't want to tell her no right so it's very interesting um, I've got a, a I've
2: got
1: a really fantastic Vegas story about how a guy worth I think he's about forty two million dollars last count is using beautiful women and he doesn't even have to pay for it. Let's
0: talk about that a little bit because I've often okay. said that uh, I've lived in Vegas. Uh, God, I lived there six I'm years. I thought you'd so, enjoy
1: this. Now I got uh, this from a limo driver who drove the guy from his uh, private jet in. And the man said, okay, I want to go to all of the strip clubs, the really high-end men's stuff. Mm -hmm. And he says, okay. So he takes him in, and he gets out, goes in, and in 15 minutes he comes out with two gorgeous women, you know, in the cocktail dress, uh, all legs and T&A. Okay, so they sit in the back of the limo, and then he goes to the next, um, you know, adult men's club. And now the funny thing was he brought one beautiful girl with him, so he takes her in with him. Comes out with two or three more. Pretty soon, he's got 25 incredible tens in the limo. And finally, the, the limo driver couldn't stand it. He says, what the heck are you doing? And he says, well, come over here. I'll tell you a secret. So Come in with me. So he sends his girl in. Turns out she is one of the, the girls that comes to parties. And she goes into the back dressing room where all the girls are changing their clothes. And says, who are the best dancers? You want to come to my friend's party because he's bringing all of his millionaire customers in.
2: Uh, hundreds of them there.
1: And you can make two, three, four, five times the money that you can, you know, dancing at the lousy club. So she's cherry picking the cream of the crop, literally. Isn't that brilliant? Uh, And he doesn't pay a dime. She
0: hijacked... Now, I would be careful running that in New York City. You might get one in the back of the cap for that.
2: Yep, yep, uh, but yep. what a
0: brilliant, brilliant strap. I, I not that clever? Because the first thing I'm thinking is, if, is uh, you know, I think most people would assume that the guy was going in there and just panning out $100 bills to get nope, him in there. He they didn't
1: pay a dime, not one cent.
0: It's an offer the they beautiful- couldn't refuse.
1: Well, the beautiful thing is, even when they go to his party, it's not his money his customers tipping the girls
0: and boy if you peeps out there listening right now uh, awesome people uh, my people that model right there should be gold to you it is. that is what Ozma would call reverse hiring that's yep. the term he uses um, what you just described and that's where instead of going and and paying people to do stuff basically in essence you reverse the process and in this case the average guy would say, okay, I need 25 beautiful girls. How much is that going to cost me? And instead, you basically went out and got 25 independent contractors that were, were desperate and wanted to be there.
1: Um, well, that's exactly true. I helped the guy sell his boss's uh, Lamborghini. The guy went on vacation and left his young college kid. He says, you sell the car. You know, I've got a new one. I want to get rid of the old. It was only a year old. So I told him about the strategy. Uh, one of his friends was going in and spending probably $100,000 a year at one of these really high-end clubs, right? Mm
2: -hmm. I said,
1: drive up to the club and ask him to bring a couple of his girlfriends out, take some pictures, because I found some guys on eBay who were selling more cars than anybody else by having the beautiful girl lay over the front of it. You know, so we knew it worked. What did he do? He paid his hard-earned money to go find a model and...
0: Yeah. He should have called Vinny.
1: Yeah, he should have called you.
0: <laughs> I've got a so, girl go in front of a $575,000 house right now. So he we... only
1: had one girl instead of five, <laughs> and he had to pay thousands of dollars. I could have kicked him.
0: You know, it's funny about that, and a little insight. Um, and I, and I, uh, the girl in my avatar happens to be a young lady named Cassandra Lynn, who was uh, the play, playboy centerfold, February two thousand. Six. I hope I didn't uh-huh. screw that up, Cass. But Cassandra <laughs> Lynn. And the interesting thing about Playboy that a lot of people don't realize, besides the fact I think Hefter was, you know, one of the legends, a guy I really admire on a lot of levels, um, for for his not not for reasons necessarily people think either. Just just his entire life is fascinating. But the fact of the matter is, um, most girls would do Playboy for free. And they, a lot of people think, oh, you're in you know, centerfold, you made all this money. The fact of the matter is Heff is positioned so well now. Playboy has become such an icon uh, oh. that m- most any girl um, will literally pose for nothing. And basically they are not paid Nearly what people think they are. One of the young ladies I used to work with uh, named Val, who is uh, one of the pro wrestling divas now, told me, she said, they really don't pay that much. They don't have to. Um, When you've set the standard so high, uh, people are, as you know, like in the case of this particular offer with your friend pulling the girls out, you give them an offer they can't refuse. Oftentimes, it doesn't cost any money. I mean, I know 10 girls right now. That you would probably pay half to put them in Playboy. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um,
1: it's it's fascinating.
0: Th- th- and that is that and a lot is, of fun too. Well, it is a lot of fun. I mean, that model you just said is um, it's reverse hiring at its very best. And um, and by the way, somebody could build an entire business off that model alone. Alone, to be honest with you.
1: Well, look at Hooters, you know.
0: Absolutely,
2: but I'm the saying on the
0: part, a party aspect of it alone is that you know, and that's something I'm surprised I've never thought of. I've always, you know, um, I've got I've got a pretty good list of attractive women, and I've never even thought about uh, that. That is really, really, really brilliant. And having, and I'll tell you what, I, I were you, did this particular gentleman send a female in to say, hey, who's your best girls or did he have a guy? I mean who, or did now, he himself he went, go in?
1: He went to the bar himself and took the girl with him and then he'd sent her in to the changing room where he couldn't go. Right. And see if he said it himself it wouldn't be as believable but from Exactly, that's of the, where
0: my point was about where yeah. I think these females are in some cases more effective at certain yep. things. Uh women would tend to trust a female more than they would some rich old dude. Exactly. Absolutely. That is very cool stuff um let's talk about you got to talk about this guy because you reference him a lot and this is the guy you say taught you how to sell um using nlp and also helps you with your referral uh system perfecting that as well um i don't know how much the guy is or was worth uh walter haley talk about him because i know he comes up a lot in your stuff
1: Well, I I met Walter Haley. Uh, In fact, I get referred to people in very strange ways sometimes, and this is a good one. Um, I did a project for a millionaire dentist and uh, did an outline and an action plan. uh, Just part of the idea was like phase one of three phases, so I figured he would buy the second one out of the money he made from the first one. Well, he fooled me. He he called me up and says, I'm not going to pay you. Even though your action plan is worth more than the the um, practice builder's company that I just paid like 15 or 20 grand, he says instead I'm going to give you Walter Haley's phone number. I said who's Walter Haley? He says you'll find out. He says I just got back from one of his seminars, and the guy scared me half to death. I'm not going back. But but you guys will really get along. So So this guy who was going to pay
0: you that you did the action plan for this dentist apparently got freaked out over some of this stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't because he didn't want you? Did he basically stiff you then? I mean, you basically got... Yeah, he
1: stiffed me for ten grand minimum, and probably many times that by the time we'd finished. He lost a million dollars. I was going to show him some really amazing stuff. And he didn't
0: pay it because the information was scary to him?
1: I don't know why he didn't pay. He didn't say. He just told me he wasn't going to pay, and instead he's going to give me a phone number. So picture yourself, a fly on the wall. I'm calling down to Walter Haley's office, and I say, you know, this guy just stiffed me for $10,000. Instead, he gave me this phone number. Who are you guys? Man, they were laughing all over the office. So um, eventually I worked my way to Walter, and he says, well, you need to buy my book.
0: Um, and you still don't know who but, the hell the guy is at this point. No, I don't know. Uh, see, by this I point, didn't... Vinny would have had a lead pipe, and I'd been going to town yeah. on that dentist's uh, kneecap.
1: But, uh, well, I figured he's the... a jerk and a negative person. I don't want to right. have anything to do with a crook. So right, you, okay. You, you know I'm not mentioning names here, but but yeah. uh, there's there's a strange. But that was the most valuable referral. It was worth more than ten grand. it has been worth a million dollars to me. So, Which is Walter what's says, so
0: interesting about it. In this case, the stiffing led to... Um, magic. Yeah. Let, and, and, let's, and, and go on from there. You, you,
1: you, you call okay, up, so, you don't
0: know who the hell the <clears> guy is, and you're going to have to explain who Walter Haley is uh, because it's probably a name not a lot of people here don't recognize either.
1: Yep, that's, that's one of the amazing things. Uh, you'll find that a lot of the people who are really rich don't share exactly what they're doing. Right. So he didn't he didn't share in audio tapes or video or newsletters exactly what he was doing to make all this money. He's five feet tall, about ninety pounds. Uh, he looked like Yoda from Star Wars. You know, bald wow. on top and, and it, ugly little rascal. But he was worth four hundred and twenty-six million that he but admitted But from what? To. what was
0: his primary business or what was uh, his well, business? he's
1: a serial business builder. He okay, started so he... in in flour, cake and bread flour, of all things. Wow. So he read Think and Grow Rich, and he thought, well, that, this mastermind idea looks good. So he called up a guy who was selling cake, fill, cake filling and pie pans and uh, Crisco and, you know, everything to do with flour, right? Right. So they'd meet every morning at his house and play records uh, to get their... Uh, excitement and energy up. Then they go out, and each one would not only sell to supermarkets his own stuff, but the other ten guys. So they had the power of ten. That's the best explanation of a mastermind group that I've ever heard. So then on weekends, they weren't sitting back looking at TV. They'd go into the supermarket, stand on a chair, hand out recipes and play bad country music in the you know, the Crisco aisle where the bread flour is and right. empty the aisle. So store owners, supermarket owners were standing in line to buy from these guys because they were turning the product two, three, four, five times faster than anybody else. So he became a multimillionaire. Then somebody told him insurance was easier. Walter told me, he says, wow. if I could find somebody who... The guy who told me that, I would kick him between, you know, where. <clears throat> but eventually, Walter said he started getting turned down and hearing no from pig farmers. Said, what was, was really he selling him?
0: insurance for? What type? Just out of, not that it matters. I'm just curious. It was, curious. It was, was
1: it? farm insurance, farm life insurance, insurance okay. you know, business insurance. Um, um, so a variety
0: uh, of insurance. Yeah, I didn't in know if Texas, it was a
1: specialized
0: so... type or not. No, okay. Was,
1: he was mostly selling to farmers and people who had money. And he says they really needed it, but he couldn't convince them to say yes. So he said he got so mad that he pulled off and he was shaking. He was so mad. So he he swore he was going to interview self-made millionaires until he found a way to sell without ever getting a no.
0: And this is the so same he, guy who had made a ton of money already we're talking about. Yeah,
1: he's already a millionaire, but he okay. couldn't get people to buy insurance. So he told me he interviewed about three, 400 millionaires until somebody gave him a cusp of an idea, and he's turned it into you know, something. There's a book that anybody can buy that gives you part of it. He never gives it all. It cost me $44,000 to learn it all, but Breaking the No Barrier. Breaking billion, the No Barrier. Who is the author? Yeah, the two, Walter Haley.
0: Oh, Walter, okay, so it's his book. Is, is that yep, would be something book. they could find on Amazon? Yeah, the, uh, the it $2 out billion
1: dollar sales system, it's on Amazon, right? Okay. If they can't find it, call me. I'm still in touch with his partner, and um, I can get books signed if you'd like. <clears throat> so he discovered a way to always get a yes. Now, it's very simple. You ask a few questions, and you find out now then you ask a trial close well if you don't hear the guy asking for money you don't get a no you get an objection i say well i'm not quite ready
2: mm-hmm. so he says well on
1: a scale of one to ten where are you you know well you're on you're four oh well you know what about this what about that and then he then he asks again for them to buy i'm not going to give you the trial close i sell that that's fine <clears throat> and that does it cost me a fortune um so then he goes back and says, okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, where am I now? Well, you're at 7. You know, and pretty soon he answers all the objections. If normally people ask, are you ready to buy? And they say no, then you got to go out the door.
0: Well, but that's you the you biggest problem get... with uh, with marketing. and something else somebody brought up on one of the shows last week, which is um, the majority of marketers, I believe 80% of them, stop after the first objective. That's it. Yep. That's it.
2: And correct. I don't know if
0: it's the eighty twenty rule or whatever you want to apply, well, but one well, no and you're Alter done.
1: Walter did a boot camp uh, seven days in his house, and you could see all the way down the Guadalupe River to Mexico. It was incredible. He'd set up a circus tent for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, catered. Unbelievable. There was room for 50 people in his living room, indoor swimming pool. Wild. <clears throat> so I went back three times to learn this stuff. And took 20 or 30 of my customers with me. Okay. So, but uh, Walter had this system. Uh, because I sold so many seats, he let me come early and watch him. So one time, here's why I think he was worth more than $400 million.
2: Wow. I showed
1: up early, and he was in his office, and the secretary said, you're going to have to wait. He's in there with four billionaires. Now I'm thinking, wait a minute. They're coming to Walter? Hmm. Uh, So they were doing, here's what the project was. They were building a lake, and they're going to sell lakefront property where there isn't any by digging out this hole. And then they would put a non-profit little hospital for kids on one side of the lake so they don't have to pay taxes on this vacation thing. Oh, man, they had it all worked out.
0: I, I, I absolutely, uh, that, that's, that's mind-blowing. And, and oh, how much do you think the relationship has been worth to you in terms of dollars over the years? That, that let, let me rephrase the question. And well, I do it, see our favorite snow bunny from Canada. For, for myself
1: open. and clients, it's many millions of dollars because Walter's NLP is what I used to sell the $1.2 million of Jay Abraham seats. And I didn't do it normally. Somebody say, well, I don't have any money. I said, well, what, do you, what do you have? Well, I'm trying to get people to come into the bank so I can give a speech. So here's what we did for that gal. She went to Jay Abraham's $15,000 event. Um, we wrote a script and a sales letter that talked about the food. Retirees, one of the top things that retired people want is some new exotic, nice-tasting food, you know, because that's exciting to them. So we put a recipe sales letter together, and she started packing people in. She became the number one salesperson at the bank.
0: You know what? It's it's scary because you're saying you know I, all the the very things you're talking about are you know I don't have access to the the type of people you do. I have several, but not anywhere near the number you do. Um, but. The few that I have conversed with, it's amazing. They use different maybe terminology, but again, like in the case of Azmael, he calls that policizing your business, basically. It means um, in in a case where somebody was coming in to buy gym equipment, which was a big, heavy, very low-margin item, he determined that really the money was made in the accessories. That's where the real money was. And the salespeople kept trying to sell the weights, which was fine, except that yeah. the profit wasn't there. And he basically wrote up a little thing for them that said the seven reasons why... Um, if you don't have the proper hand grips or whatever it was, you're going to do damage and how you can increase your strength by using this and this. And they got off trying to sell that, and they'd actually proactively um, get the customers educated and um, it basically is, it appears to be almost the same formula you're talking about here.
1: Um, that's, not, that's, well, what works is, and your case, you one... Know, this is
0: also barter. There's a barter spin in here, which I just love.
1: Yep. Barter is one of the main things I do to get to millionaires and get to information. A lot of people won't talk to you until you make them money. Absolutely. Then they're interested. Okay. And that's
0: one of the great. And that's one of the great. One of the great points as well. Um, you know, I see people go after. I've been very lucky at connecting with people. Um, you know, Jim Straw, who you're aware of.
1: Yeah, he's a um, wonderful guy.
0: Yeah, I. I mean, you know, just a gentleman. And and and. I was never. I guess maybe the the problem is I wasn't. I never had the mindset that it was supposed to be hard to go out and reach out and get JV Partners. I didn't know that. So for me, I didn't go in there like everybody else does and think, and make it sound hard. Um, so to me, it wasn't a big deal. I was able to go out and pretty much the one or two or three people that I wanted to promote my product I got. And in my case, it was simply a case of writing Jim and straightforward like I'd write a friend and say Mr. Raw which he doesn't like, he said my that's I called my daddy that. He said, <laughs> I said, I bought my first product from you when I was 13 years old. I even described the letter that it came in and, and I said, you even had the nerve to charge me 100 bucks way back then and we're going back $25, $30, whatever, whatever, whatever it was. Jim was charging top dollar even back then. And no. I said, and then I was familiar enough with his products and I said, I believe this fits in. I got an email back from him that started out Dear Vince, thank you, thank you, thank you. I have been looking for a product just like this for two years. And I think sometimes even if, you, even if it's a case where you can't, you're not in a position maybe to make them the money up front, if you can show them that you bring value, if nothing else, you have a way better chance of connecting with people.
2: Well,
1: you, um, you don't even you don't even need money to do it either. Vince. Right. Um,
0: value I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, um, most most very affluent people have people calling them who don't research. They don't know anything about their past successes. They can't, you know, it's a it's an insult to call somebody and ask for money or or whatever without knowing something about them so that you can, you know, which is unfortunately, intelligently.
0: Uh, yeah, and I see a lot of JV books that get it wrong. I happen to know probably as much about Jim's stuff as Jim did. Why? Because I had bought most of it. I had studied no. it, and I there wasn't a product he had that I couldn't uh, bring up and spin into mine. I mean, I could go. No. I, I went through his list, and I and, and I think you have to use that personalized touch.
1: That is uh, That is very powerful.
0: Well, let me ask you your opinion because it's uh, this is a guy that I'm shocked more people don't know about. I mean, a lot, I mean, outside of the, well, maybe it doesn't shock me. Um, I love Jay Abraham. I, I've said the guy's brilliant. There's no denying that. My personal preference, maybe it's just because he reminds me of Gary. But um, what's your opinion on Dan Kennedy? Because I've gotten. Uh, between Gary and, and, and Dan Kennedy, I always looked at Dan as a guy who gave you more of a blueprint on how to go out and implement things. That's just my opinion. Um, and then I, you know, you'll get in trouble with somebody who loves Jay by saying that. But I heard Dan mention it on one of his high-end seminars. He said. You know, when people talk marketers, they talk Jay and they talk me. And he said one thing I have always enjoyed hearing, and this could be Dan's giant ego, which we all know he has, but that eight out of ten say, well, we really like Jay, but we seem to be able to implement Dan's stuff better. Um, What have you gotten from Dan Kennedy?
1: Well, Dan, I've got one big idea from Dan. Um, I, I took one word Out of one of his uh, audio programs And made a bunch of money And um, then I thought Well, I ought to read some of his books So I, I bought all of his books On pennies on the dollar On half.com or somewhere
2: mm-hmm. And I was
1: skimming to doom, 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 And came across This little book Where Dan ended by saying I'm feeling a little guilty The book is skinny And I'm going to throw in this little idea and Then he goes on to, goes on to say that this idea has made me more money in the past five years than it has in the previous twenty by a multiple. Well, now my ears perked up because I only want that one big idea that's got the big leverage. I let the rest go, as you may yep. tell. <clears throat> so I think you I, and I, I both
0: I, like that leverage word a lot. Yeah, yeah.
1: So he leaves this in one book in the back of the book. You know, I can't remember which one, but it's his takeaway marketing. So he tells right. this story about the uh, dog, the lady dog trainer, who came up during a break and said, "I can't sell affluent people my dog training. Even I'm the I'm the best in the world at this." He said, "Well, I don't have much time, but um, if you won't be insulted, I'll give you a little advice." She said, "No, you can't insult me." So he <laughs> said, "Dress better."
0: I love it. That's Dan for you, too.
1: Number two, he says, "Make the." Customers, come to you. Don't ever go to their home. Then he yep. says, number three, give the owners an IQ test and the dog. Make yep. them earn it. Absolutely. And this woman comes back, and she, he says she became a multimillionaire uh, using his strategies. And, and uh, But I thought, wow, I'm dealing with affluent people all the time. I need to flip this around and make them chase me. So I just had a guy want to buy $30,000 worth of my material, right? Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. said, no, not unless you can pass these tests. Right. And I gave him three quizzes. And that leads into the next point. I wanted to make your readers a bunch of money. Anybody can do this.
0: Fire away. And I've got Sylvia off on the line. I'll bring her on in a bit. I'm glad she made it because – she has a question she wanted to ask you, but, uh, Phil, if you're okay. on the line, just hang tight. All right, here's a
1: couple specific strategies that Let's anybody can use to, in a store with a waitress, with a cashier, with anybody that has the power to give you stuff. <clears throat> so, number one, I got from a millionaire car salesman and the guy who's buying foreclosed properties. Now, think about this. If you walk up to the door of somebody whose house has been foreclosed, I know guys who've had guns pulled on them. This fellow, he pulls out a bunch of $1 instant lottery tickets. Okay, if you can buy a house. So I thought, wow, this is really cool. So I started giving lottery tickets. You know, you walk up in Walmart, and you're doing a great job. Here's a lottery ticket. Hope you win a $1,000. Then I'll go shopping, and I'll come back, and the little girl's jumping up and down. Come over here. I'm over here. I won $10 or, you know, whatever. Right. <clears throat> So then I thought, well, that's not good enough. So I started giving lottery tickets to every cash cashier in the place. Right. Whether it's a giant food store or Whole Foods or whatever. Man, you get treated like royalty. And in a restaurant, a bartender, whatever, they start giving you free stuff. Often you'll get two or three times more food if you're going to a fast food line. These little girls at Wendy's or wherever, nobody thinks they're important.
2: You'd Absolutely. go through
1: and you'd give him a lottery ticket. One of my customers said this girl put a $20 bill in his bag. He had to go back and give it to her. He's afraid they'd take it out of her pay. Right. And he got four times more food than he could eat. That
0: You also have a version of that which I thought was really, really cool, um, and that's the dollar bill. Um, oh, yeah, I don't know if you bill flirting. to to go along with the economy now, because no. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but well, the, the dollar
1: bill, the dollar bill strategy is a little more limited because you can't walk up to a pretty girl in a mall and hand her a dollar; she's allowed to slap you. Exactly. But if you Not walk up to neighborhood,
0: a... that gets you a date. But yeah, I know okay. what you're saying.
1: But but if you walk up to a pretty girl wherever. And you say, I really like the shoes or you know, I really like that dress, or what what kind of jewelry? You know, I was talking to my friend over here and we wanted to give you a reward and you hand her a lottery ticket, she'll smile and grin and giggle and she'll love that. Now, another thing you can do, <laughs> this isn't in our list, but just I one story leads to another. Sure. I got a a guy who took courses from Napoleon Hill. I got two customers that personally knew Napoleon Hill.
2: <clears throat>
1: so he came up with this way of getting hugged by all the nurses in the retirement home. Hugged? Well, okay. What all the right. heck are you doing? So here's what he does. This takes a little more guts, guys. And ladies, you can do this too if you find a handsome guy. <clears throat> but you walk up to the girl, and you've you got two or three chocolate kisses in your hand, closed, and you say, can I give you a kiss? Okay, get ready to duck. But just before she swings open your hand, and show her the kisses. And she goes,
2: Ah, oh, that's
1: so sweet. What and about then the you paper can, roses? Then you can give her a big hug. The paper roses are next. Okay. Okay. So, <clears throat> this, I have a magician friend. You go to napkin. No, what is it? Paper... Napkin Rose, I think.
0: dot <clears throat> com. okay.
1: Yep. And... There's a video that shows you how to take his little red, pink, yellow, he's got all kinds of colors, um, napkin, and turn it into a paper rose. Okay, now I teach waitresses this, because if you give a rose to your best customers, your tip goes way up. However, if you constantly give roses to people while you're going through the line, or your waitress, or you often get a free dessert, or... They put you down as a senior citizen when you're not, or, you know, you get more food and better food. <clears throat> Very powerful thing.
2: I think it accomplishes
0: t- something else, too. And this What's is that? the part where I was debating with uh, Osm last week about cold calling. I say, I'm not interested in it. Um, I don't think it's leveraged, blah, blah, blah. And his point was, when you train someone, when you get them i mean he 'll have them call up people and do palm readings over the phone he 'll have oh. them do strange things, and I never understood, and that 's where you know i 'm thinking oh, you know to me that 's cheesy that 's crazy and then I finally got his point, and a lot of this not only do you get the 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 skin pop, the immediate benefit, but what it 's doing is taking you out of that comfort zone that a lot of us live in that prevents success. And this is a way to, to break out of that. I think it's also a way to, it's a basically personal training for establishing rapport. I yes, mean, sir. I, I see a, a lot of other variables here besides just the instant gratification part of it. Now,
1: now I've studied this like a scientist. Uh, there's something physical yet invisible that's going on. Mm-hmm. Scientists have proven that if you go up to someone and you're not comfortable, that means your electrical aura... Right. like a wall. You're bumping into their aura, and you're not overlapping, and you're not in a comfort zone. However, when you're in rapport, and these things do that that we just discussed, your auras overlap, everything heats up and warms up, um, it's it's like magic. But there's yeah. a physical physics basis for this stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I absolutely, like I said, I'm not one of these destiny believers, but I, I have always believed that Energy attracts energy, and space and time get trumped and um, and it 's fascinating stuff to me um, and what you 're saying as far as uh, another thing um, that Dan talks a lot about is rapport based on necessity, which basically means and I had an argument on uh, one of the forums, probably osm awesome, 's the other day, about there 's a difference between a generalist and a specialist you know a, a heart surgeon um is going to command more money, more respect. He trains his co- they don't question him. When he says go fill the prescription, you don't price shop it. You go get the pill. Whereas uh, the generalist who is everything to everybody Um, their their idea of marketing generally is, well, I better make my price even cheaper so I can be like the other 200, and I think it's totally wrong. And where people lost my point, I think, was that I'm not saying you have to be the best in the world at everything, but I think it's very beneficial to cultivate a list of people around you that are, in fact, the best of the best, because then you pretty much are, are you know, the rainmaker. You're pretty much the go-to guy, yeah. and you pretty much can make some things happen.
1: Well, and, it's also um, true that, that energy and success-wise, you know, if, if you have people around you who are very successful, um, you know, eagles flock with eagles. and That's just the way it is.
0: And you know, and 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 what you're what the whole thing you're talking about the takeaway, you know, I, I love Dan's line, and it basically goes along with just what you said. He said, um, I have clients who pay me a million dollars, and somehow that, some of them actually thinks uh, think that entitles uh, them to call me whenever they feel like it. That's not the case. <laughs> he said some of them even think that means they're entitled for me to return their phone call within 15 minutes. He said, that's not the case. He says, the customer is not always right, like the cliche. He said, the customer is right when they do what I tell them to do. And he oh. says, if more people start training their customers and being proactive, um, you do build that reputation. It is sort of a takeaway, and you, I, think, I think you stand alone, and I think – that's i think that's like you say in the case of the guy you know on the thirty thousand you could have took that money right right you know and most of us would to be honest um that brings me to one story that uh, it's not on the list that i found fascinating about steve jobs from oh, apple yeah. um if you tell that story because it's a mm-hmm. classic example of some advice you gave someone that goes right along with this
1: okay little by little over the years you know the people worth $100,000 refer you to a millionaire, and then the millionaire refers you to a decamillionaire. Pretty mm-hmm. soon you're in the $400,000, So I've got a bunch of my customers working with billionaires, joint ventures, uh, charity, this or that.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: they always ask me, okay, how can I you know, do this? Or they're not returning my phone calls, or, or what do I do? So this guy called, and he says, um, I've built a website that's getting more hits than Apple.com. So wow. I want to sell it to Steve Jobs. But uh, what do I do? He said, I don't know how to get him on the phone. I said, well, uh, we can do that. I said, with someone like Steve, who's a billionaire, he has a huge ego. Um, he he has to have massive self-confidence to do Absolutely. what he's done, you know, bulletproof. Um, but nobody ever says thank you in a memorable way. So let's put a thank you Steve Jobs website together. All right, so so we he was a genius um, at computer stuff, algorithms and he could do anything. So, Are you talk uh, about so your client? Yep, my client. So, you okay. do that and I was the idea guy. So, right. we put together a banner and he headed across a beautiful meadow and it says thank you Steve Jobs and we went through his various career. We had a different banner for each of his major, you know, computers and the Mac and you know every stage. <clears throat> so, then he said, "Well, how can we make this better?" And I said, well, you've got this banner just sitting there floating in the breeze. Shouldn't something be pulling it? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, couldn't we have a butterfly and a bumblebee pulling the banner?
2: He says, yeah, okay, I can
1: do that. So he, he went and put together a butterfly and a bee. And, a little, and He says, okay, what else can we do? I said, let's have them talk. So we put little blurbs on the bumblebee saying, hey, Steve. You know. Anyway, by the time we get this thing finished, it was an incredible endorsement for Steve Jobs. All right, so... Randy, my client, calls Steve's office, talks to the executive secretary, gives her the website. Okay. I told Randy, now this is important, yep. when you're dealing with someone very rich, you cannot let them boss you around from the first contact. If you don't leave... You can't be a
0: stargazer.
1: They drag you by the nose. And I got yep. this from some of my really rich uh, customers, so I told Randy, when... Steve's office calls. Tell him you're busy and you can't talk right now. You have an appointment. He says, I okay. <laughs> so the executive secretary says, Steve's on the line. He wants to talk to you. He says, terribly sorry. I have an appointment. I've got to pick my son up at school. And he hangs up. Okay. So he calls me in a panic. He says, what if right they don't call back? Right
0: now I want to to you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah,
1: he was, he was having a panic attack. I said, no, I no, don't worry about it. They'll call back. So the next day, the executive secretary calls and says, Steve says, I'm going to get fired if you if I don't successfully put you on the phone with him. Here's his home number, and I'm going to three-way you through, just in case we lose the call. Please, 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 you can save my job. You've got to talk to Steve. All right, so the next call I get from Randy, he's on Steve's private airplane. In the pilot seat... He said, hey, Glenn, I'm in Steve's airplane. Uh, and I, he, he says, hear that voice? I said, yeah, who's that? He said, that's the autopilot. Autopilot, I forget the name of, of the autopilot. But I said, how much to put one of those in my computer? He asked the, the pilot. He says, you got $22 million? I said, well, maybe next week. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so um, Randy went over and met with Steve. He, he wore this hat that was four feet wide with a giant... Um, what was it, lobster or crab on the hat. I don't know where he got this thing. But he said he was in a room where a bunch of people were waiting to talk to Steve Jobs, right? They're all in the button-down suits. And he had researched and found out what clothing, what blue jeans Steve wore. Got the exact same pair. The man, you know, really did his research. But he said that everybody else in the room was edging away from him, because he looked like he was escaping he he from insane. Was, he was a red marble and a bowl full yep. of blue marbles. But his, when he walked oh, in the room, uh, he says, "Do you know who I am?" And Steve says, "Yep. Kid uh, Only one guy." <laughs> you know, so, and, and,
0: uh, and, and 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 you know what that really all comes down to, and 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 this is, you know, I, I, I talk about it a lot, um, and it's one of the things I, I I've been I've mentioned to Sylvia as well. The it's like in the real estate business. Uh, um, when you go in and you, you're a new real estate agent and you act, dress, walk, talk, and do the same as they do and just do it a little bit better, you're just getting, you know, a certain degree of better results. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to positioning. And yep. sometimes the best repositioning method of all is to be completely Unrelated to your own industry, which is something Dan talks a lot about. He, you know, you don't go to those networking meetings where the, all the dentists wear the same stuff. You don't well, necessarily hang out at the same, uh, you know, REI meetings if you're in the you know real estate business.
1: Well, you um, you heard what we just did. We spent yeah. 30 days preparing for one phone call.
0: Exactly. Which, Positioning. Exactly. Um, uh, brilliant stuff um, one quick question and then I'm going to I've got a question I'm going to bring Sylvie on because there's a question I think it's going to benefit a lot of other people in any industry Did okay. we had something we were going to talk about janitors and bartenders which I thought was kind
1: of cool um, Unless we come. remind me where are we oh the bar, Oh, I know the janitor who uh, got a whole bunch okay <laughs> I forgot yeah. that story <clears throat> alright one of my customers uh, from my newsletter um, you know, took the lottery ticket strategy, and he likes to go into bars and uh, clubs and stuff and butter up people. So he said he was giving lottery tickets to the bartender. So he ordered a takeout uh, meal, and the bartender gave him enough food for three or four people, which surprised him. But he also threw in the metal silverware and the china plates and the the not just a plastic glass. He had a Glass, you know, the, all the, of course it wasn't his. He you know, gave him the owner's stuff. Well, and all he had he, done was give him a couple lottery tickets.
0: Do you hand the lottery ticket to these people ahead of time, or is this a multiple thing like where you're doing one? Well, it varies. No, like,
1: if, if, you, if you go in, you have a big smile, and you say something like, you're doing a really great job, you know, I've been paying attention, and you're doing this better than the next girl you deserve an award, and you give them a lottery ticket. If there's a reason behind it, right. you get better results. If you're just going to hand a lottery ticket and say thank you, well, you might get a great you know, result. One thing is is
0: this one lottery ticket, because I know in the dollar bill example, you were talking about a group sitting at dinner, and he he would continuously hand a dollar, yep. and before it was well, over, he, they, they had the whole staff fighting
2: to Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: If you want to get people fighting over, you can hand out multiple lottery tickets and multiple dollars. Dollar bills are a little more tricky, <clears throat> but because um, you have to have a reason why, or they think you're right. You know, yeah, because
0: you're talking about a monetary thing as opposed to something yeah. else. Right, yeah. right. I, I do understand that. That's but.
1: why I focused on the lottery ticket, because I don't have time to educate people on how to do the other. But, um, yeah, you get... I've had people give, you know, going through the aisle, give them a lottery ticket or a flower, and I, you know, I forgot my uh, ice cream in the cart. I said, "Oh, I forgot my ice cream." She said, "No, that's all right. That's yours. Forget it." You know, so I got eight dollars worth of ice cream for nothing.
0: Absolutely, it's it's it's, it's fascinating stuff, and I want people, to make sure people want
1: to reciprocate when you give them something and you make them feel important because they're bored out of their minds and they feel lousy.
0: Let me ask you a question I'm going to bring sill on but i'm going to paraphrase it real quick Then I want to get into the uh, Andrew Carnegie thing, and then I want to start talking about some of your stuff. Um, Sylvia's working uh program right now and is doing extremely well and you're familiar with the with uh, you know she's up in calgary she's got five kids she's doing exceptionally well. One of the issues um, and I don't even consider it an issue is she's you know basically doing. What I would call basically NLP bandit signs, and she's generating very, very good leads. One of the issues that has come up a little bit is basically she can figure out over the phone if these people are qualified or not based on you know the the, the criteria in place. There's an issue that's coming up where. It's getting that application back. So I'm on the phone with her and uh, in my less than eloquent way, say, you gotta, you've got to get these people to understand that there is no tomorrow. And if it means you've got to say, hey, look, I'm pretty sure my lender can get you approved, but he's going to be in New York tomorrow. I really need this thing back. And
1: that, that's she's way. getting
0: great quality leads and she's nope. doing very in fact she's actually doing what should be harder, which is getting these people to sell homes on lease options. She's got that down. That should be tougher than this. there's gotta be a way for her and actually if she's here, I'm gonna have her explain it to you real fast and if and I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can pull the pull the call um up here and see if I can get her on and of course technology is um uh, Phil, are you on? Yippee. Hold on one second. Are you on the air, Sill? I've got your hand up, and I'm hitting the button, and I... Nope,
2: Let's... I don't
0: hear. Okay, well, hold on. We'll give me one second. We'll try her again. Um, before I... Well, I'm going to keep trying. She, Her hand is up and raised, and here, okay. here maybe it goes.
2: All uh jump in. There
0: it is. Phil, are you on the Well... I cannot. I'm about to take the Dell computer, and it's about to go through the plate glass window. Um, in any case, and I am really sorry, Phil. I am hitting your your number here, and I can't. Um, I can't uh, get you on the air. And her hand is well, up. And
1: Vince, it's, Vince, uh, basically, the
0: it's a situation where when a lead comes in she qualifies them over the phone Hi. and she is getting some incredible leads and i mean some of these people in calgary are calling up okay i've got 28,000 i can do this and this and the the issue on some of them is that they need to get that application back to her and for whatever reason i think she needs to uh, put some, uh, there's got to be some compliance dialogue in there that would create more of a sens- sense of well, urgency. Well, that's,
1: that's possible, but one of my customers has solved that issue by putting together a website, which walks them through with a little okay. audio or video each section of the form. So, you know, they, they get help uh, walking through it, or you can do it with them over the phone, or the compliance, what I do sometimes is say, okay, I've got two people right now, and I can only get one through this week, so if you're the first one to fill out the form, you got it, so now they're in a race, right they got to do it or they're frozen out. That might work
0: right and 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 I think that and and that's the issue because it's amazing um she's having incredible success um, What is your opinion of science because I thought that was something i I'll be honest with you um. When I talked to Ozim about that, I always said I thought those ugly neon handwritten signs were, were uh, basically the broke sucker's guide to marketing. And it's funny, last night I had the vice president of USB Investments in here, and we were talking about these signs, and he said, you know what, I, I almost stopped today when I saw one. And I think yep. there's a psychology there that when you see a handwritten sign that says, must sell, uh, going, you know, for whatever reason, 24 hours, you you automatically think to yourself, this isn't some slick professional real estate guru that's, i got to deal correct. with. correct. This is, work. in fact, a, um, uh, a, ho- a homeowner who needs um, some help. And, um... It, 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 it's 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 and Phil. Are you on the line? I am. All right, there you go. We're trying to help you here, <laughs> and you got five minutes. Run them through what the deal is, because then I got to. Um... I want you to run through them, and I sort of told Glenn the issue, but I think because this applies to a lot of people. In other words, she, you're getting you're getting your leads. These are people that are qualified. They obviously want to buy a house, and really, by the way, uh, Glenn, these are not um, applications that obligate them to anything. And I think maybe part of the problem is I'm I'm wondering if. Uh, Somehow they think by signing their name on something that they're ob- obligated to do something when in fact they're not. But I think one of her issues is getting those people to get those friggin' things back. And I think if it means saying, hey, I think I can get you into this house. i got a great lender for you. we got 27 houses, but he's going to uh, New York tomorrow. If you get this into me right now, I think we can get, I can get it to him, something along that line. Do you have any thoughts, Phil? Is that basically the issue that we're having? Yeah, here? it's pretty
1: much. I have no issues
0: getting the leads. They phone. I've got them qualified, et cetera. I send them the application, tell them they need to get it back to me, and that we can proceed from there once I've got the application in hand. I've already gone through. They, they already. I know they
2: qualify. Okay. Wait. 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 You
1: just, you just gave me an idea. Uh, when you send them the application, do you call to make sure they got it? Yes, I do. Okay. During that call, that gives you a good reason why to call. I'm just calling to make sure you got the application. And um, while I'm on the phone, uh, why don't we run through it here? It'll only take three minutes. And you can just sort of have them fill it out. You know, the, And you see if you have any problem areas. Um, and I'll expect that you know, and at the end of an hour or two, or I will call you back. Oh, now they're on a deadline. And they know you're going to call and check up on them. Do you get that sucker back. I never thought about doing it that way. <laughs> some, I, I think some
0: sort of urgency is what she's lacking on. Well, this.
1: that's urgency because I now, think they're
0: price shopping her
1: to I a degree. Maybe. Some of them. You don't know until you test. Right. You know?
0: And that's yep. my point. And I think. I think that. I think that. Um,
1: test. Test but, a lot of these ideas and see what sticks.
0: Okay, yeah. that's that's real good. And by the way, Glenn, this is Sylvia Roth from Canada. I, mean, I've I know been, you I've have been
1: emailing Sylvia back and forth. Yes.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think she gets more of the good stuff than I do, but that's because I'm on a little different schedule. Either that, or it's because she's hot and I'm a dude. I don't know.
1: Well, I, uh, you two might be been...
0: commiserating behind my back for all I you're, know. You're um,
1: getting different information. Let's say that
0: Sylvia is actually has far less toxins in her body than I do. And
1: um, oh, now you're talking about insider exercise uh, energy And I'm not stuff. going to
0: get into that, but that stuff, <laughs> you're, um, when we get into your stuff, that's one of the little um, qualifications that people do. Well,
1: and it occurred it to me that I needed to energize all my customers or they wouldn't have enough energy to go, you know, flirt test and practice all of my NLP. And you know, I did the stuff.
2: flirt testing today. That was actually pretty fun. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: What, what did you do, Sylvia?
2: With... I did the head tilt thing.
1: That oh, so was actually okay.
2: really kind of interesting, and
1: yeah.
2: I was well. I learned that shocked. from. <laughs>
1: I learned that from uh, Obama. Oh, I'll so. about that later, so <laughs> It works good.
0: Yeah, now, I was. can I ask you an honest head-talk. question? Is it because? Let's. I mean, and I don't mean. Uh, this is a. We're talking about a pretty attractive girl here. Um. Would this apply to say a girl that might look like a bookwormy type as well? Is this is this?
1: um, If if you have a pulse, it works, Vince. I mean, it's fascinating. It works
2: on both females and males, so you can't use that.
1: Correct.
0: (laughs) Fascinating stuff. And I'm going to be honest with you. um, If you want to real quick get into the Tesla thing. And, Phil, I know you've heard of Tesla coils, but this is pretty fascinating if you want to run through that. I want to make sure, Glenn, that we save at least – we've still got 26 minutes, and I want to make sure we get into your information. But if there's – before I actually do that, did you want to hit – it seems like one of the crux of your thing is the Andrew Carnegie sales strategy. I'd like you to hit that. I think that's real okay, powerful. Okay, we
1: can stuff. we can quickly glance across that. That's one of the things that I do. Like oil, everything I touch, I use Andrew Carnegie's invisible sale selling secret. <clears throat> um, I think this is the name of the book. I read a book called Steel Titan years ago. Can't think of the author, but it was uh, a sort of a biography about a guy who started as a sweeper in one of andrew carnegie's uh, steel mills and he worked his way by going the extra mile extra hundred miles to president of the entire steel empire right and he did it by applying one of carnegie's principles that he taught him so here's the anecdote that i used when i was working at the the university to get all my maintenance and housekeeping staffers running around working like crazy um he would walk in he walked into a steel mill that wasn't pouring enough heats. A heat is a amount of steel that each shift pours of steel. So he says you guys are only p- pulling, you know, 3 he- heats and the guy said, "Well, we tried everything. We tried threatening them, we tried rewarding, nothing works." He said, "Well, let me try something." He said, "Give me a piece of chalk." So he he puts a giant 3 on the wall next to the machine where you punch out. So the night shift comes in and says, what's the three for? Oh, the big boss was here and he put a big three, that's the number of sh- of heats of steel we poured. So the night shift went to work and poured four. And then they razzed the day shift because the boss came back with donuts. Oh. And he says, oh, I see, these guys poured four you, poor weak saps. And so the, night, the day shift went to work and poured five. And of course then he says, okay, if you fall below that, now that you've proven you can, you're fired. Because all the other Steel mills are pouring that, too. So they got to maintain that. But So I thought, hmm, what can I do? So I had some T-shirts and free tools and stuff, and I would put a bulletin board in the workroom, you know, where they eat lunch. Right. And uh, we'd have some kind of a competition, the most work orders done or the most apartments cleaned. These people had to be running because I had the janitorial supervisor with them. I did it first. We did a couple floors. Man, we finished a high rise in record time.
0: Is that go uh, into the ego thing? Because that goes right into the Kobe Bryant, and I am not. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm let's
1: go into the Kobe. Uh, billionaires that right are right using
0: with it. Explain to them how Kobe Bryant's giant yep. ego. I'm not a fan of his because. Well, will we'll never be another Michael Jordan, but that's another.
1: Yeah, thing. well, you and I, are, our feelings are about the same here. But <laughs> would have worked on would have worked on anybody with a lot of money.
2: Giant ego, billionaires. Billionaires
1: all over the world are using Andrew Carnegie's invisible um, selling system here. Okay, so we're in Blush Restaurant, I think, in in a really high-end casino in Vegas. Right. And Kobe O'Brien and, is in the restaurant at the same time as a guy who just won, I don't know how many millions of dollars playing poker. Oh. Yep. Okay, so got two big bulls in the same room. Okay, so the selling system is... Anytime somebody orders the most expensive meal or a fifteen hundred dollar bottle of, I think it's Cristal, Cristal champagne, champagne. And I believe that a beautiful girl and a beautiful girl on a, beautiful girl a bikini with a fireworks on top of the champagne and they play music, so everything stops. Okay, so the guy said, "Hey, look at Kobe over there. I'm going to make him look small." So he ordered three, you know, a couple bottles of Cristal. So Kobe said, "Oh, I'm not going to." Better me, so he ordered five. Now remember, they're fifteen hundred dollars each. So apparently, Kobe dropped twenty nine, thirty thousand dollars worth of champagne. Lucky for him, they ran out of champagne. God knows what the total would have run up.
0: And what's amazing about this to me is that the owner of that particular casino you're talking about is one of the most brilliant men in the world. He's a guy a lot of people don't mention a lot as, well, They, sh- uh, to me, a very underrated uh, uh, genius, and that's Steve Wynn.
1: That's correct.
0: The king of Las Vegas, to be perfectly honest with you.
1: Now, there's uh, Harris, is, Harris is using the same strategy except with a different twist. Um, I've got a friend over there who does some snooping for me about the latest. He says they got this new thing around the, uh, po- what was it, some kind of gambling tables. He says 9 o'clock. The place is full, and uh, the music plays, and a bunch of girls in bikinis come in and stand on podiums in between the tables. says, so statistics show that the men start losing 40% more when they're comp- competing and flirting with these girls.
0: I I believe it because I I remember going broke in Puerto Rico uh, once because I was trying to impress two hot blondes.
1: There you go. So I was laughing out loud. I thought, oh, this is so smart. And, of course, the bikini girls are probably getting a minimum wage plus tips.
0: Oh, absolutely, and, and the tips can be um, uh, astronomical. Hey, I I've, hey. I actually knew a girl that would walk by the Baccarat tables at the Mirage, and when they're very superstitious, especially the Asians, and that's their game of choice. And yep, yep. when when they would win a hand, and a certain waitress was by, uh, she got hit, hit with a $5,000 chip. I wow. Mean, and and it, it was fascinating stuff. Um as far as your stuff, i can't even begin I put for everybody out there who gets this show um, if you go to the blog, I put up what I put up an x x o o ebay link i I'm amazed at one thing, not because I don't think your products aren't outstanding because they are, but Fine. you have a record on ebay and basically you sell information and Correct. it's flawless it's a hundred percent and you're not selling cheap seven dollar ebooks on why hummingbirds hum no i'm not um, you you have got to put that link up there um, well, i have
1: a i have a 365 day 100 percent money back guarantee on ebay and everything i sell
0: and your products are to be honest some of the strangest titles i mean we're talking zombie stalkers we're talking some strange stuff real quick i think i've got enough time to hit one question- i do one question on our list you you mentioned earlier about um certain uh dangerous trance um lock words oh yeah um, okay can you ex- you know expand a little bit on that
1: sure let me preface by saying why it can be dangerous if not used correctly, however it works on anybody. Okay. So I get the, I started getting phone calls years ago. I didn't realize that my NLP, since we have a billionaire watching club and when we see enough billionaires doing something, we try to test it for sales. But I couldn't get anybody to help me, you know, use something totally new on their customers. However, when I turned it into a flirt strategy – and it's the exact same problem. you got to get in rapport, you know, get some time to talk before you can get a date. Well, you got to get in rapport, you got to get time to talk, an appointment, before you can make the sale. So right. It's the exact same. So I started twisting things around into flirt strategies that I would do myself. All right, so <clears throat> this is five words. I got start getting phone calls from guys saying, the lady on the plane followed me to the men's room, and I didn't do anything. She's following me around. Or the fellow at Boeing uh, Airplane, he's an engineer. He says, I was asking this question um, to a lady at lunch every day, you know, a different topic. And now she's calling. She drove 50 miles, knocked on his door to ask for a cup of uh, sugar, and it freaked my wife out.
0: Wow, the clean well, cup of sugar. I love yeah, it Yeah, what are
1: you what are you doing, man? He said, I didn't do anything I'm thinking, uh huh. <clears throat> so number one, I discovered that if you buy my material for entertainment purposes, just right. listen, don't actively test it. It's absorbed into your unconscious mind and your unconscious begins to hypnotize women or men around you. Oops. So, I call this the zombie stalker problem. And the way to avoid it is to take action so your conscious mind and your unconscious are both working on some of the flirt stuff because they are borrowed from billionaires. This is not. Um, right. Your stuff is empty.
0: modeled, basically. These aren't like. I mean, some of it you tweaked, but you pretty much have gone out and kind of did what. Um, um, Napoleon Hill did, but you did it at a more kind of a more of an advanced level, where he was yeah. pretty much studying a certain individual or two. You've pretty much um, have modeled some of the um, most powerful, wealthy people the, in the, the richest, world, the and and the I like the fact the that world. people that we don't necessarily consider household names, like Walter yeah. Haley, for instance. Yeah. Uh, a lot of you know, I, I find that fascinating.
1: Well, a lot of them are hiding. Several billion. I've been lucky enough to interview three billionaires so far, and uh, one guy was making fun of uh, some of these billionaires who are in the news. He says all my money's offshore. Why would right. I want to get beat up in the press and, you know, like uh, Bill Gates at Microsoft? He says sure. you know the guy's crazy. Yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> all right. So no. here's
1: the here's the five words. Um, as long as you use it one woman at a time and don't go back again and again. You can get them into trance and ladies. This works even better on men. So um, you ask things like, uh, what do you enjoy most about blank? Okay, so you could say, you know, I really enjoy playing golf. What do you enjoy most? Then you shut up. And she'll say, well, I enjoy shopping or I enjoy, um, you know, taking care of my kids or, you know, something specific. Okay, well... If you look at her closely when she's talking about that, now, Vince, I asked you what you liked best, and you said, well, how about sports? And instantly you said Muhammad Ali. Boxing, right. Yep. Yep. And so while you were talking excitedly about Muhammad Ali, I tapped the phone, right? Right. Now, Vince Vince didn't hear this. I wanted to demonstrate to Vince something new I invented called the NLP energy thermostat. And this I'll offer to anybody who wants to um, email me or call me up. If you need a little extra energy, you can have a chocolate thermostat, energy thermostat. In Vince's case, we did a Muhammad Ali energy thermostat. How did, how did and, that work? And it,
0: was, and, and it was rather strange. I, it yes. was, it, 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 I'm not going to go into the details and ruin <laughs> it for everybody, but we did this, well, uh, in a matter of probably, I don't know, five minutes or less. Yep. and it was uh and we and and you I won't name the certain individual Sylvia knows who it is there's a certain individual in my uh uh life that really really annoys me here in this town <laughs> and Phil, you can probably guess who that is and uh this technique is what I'm going to use the next time I want to put the chokehold around him
2: so okay,
1: well the the idea uh, is not negative it's to give no, people control over something happy and positive yeah. Yep. So they can raise their energy. I help waitresses with this all the time. So I come back six months later and I say, how's your thermostat? And she says, oh, it's great. And when I get a little tired, I can, you know, zip it up.
0: So, Absolutely. Uh, um, it, it, it's, it's, your stuff is, is extremely, extremely um, cool. Um, where do we uh, – I've got your links up. Anybody on this show can go to the blog. I put everything up there. Um, be prepared. Well, every,
1: everybody who signs up for the free e-zine. There is a free I've e-zine, and that's where publishing I going
0: to for it. And why don't we give nine the link, years. just in case somebody's listening to this, like a month from now on podcast. Okay.
1: <clears throat> well, the link is www.archivearchiveenchantednlp. E n c h a n t e d n l p dot com.
0: Right, and again, you guys can uh, simply go to the uh, blog talk radio show, and right, uh, you're going to see the blog up there with Glenn's name, and I've got links in it, and you, and the easing is free, and you can go through, and I'm telling you, um, this is way beyond Vinny's normal uh, show in terms of, you know. Uh, what I generally talk about, but uh, I think it's powerful stuff, and I think I think Glenn Osborne is one of these people. And uh, actually, next week I have James J. Jones on doing his world-famous prediction show. He's a very, very good marketer, invented micro-niche finder, and he um, actually... I was talking to him this morning by e- via email. He knew who you were, and he thought that was going to be a really fascinating show. He's probably listening right now. So, James, if you're Hi. out there, I hope you got a prediction. Uh- uh Small James, World. Yeah, that that uh Vinny gonna be around here next uh past two twelve or something. No, I mean uh, James, that's gonna be a fun show. But um for sure everybody needs to check the stuff out. There's money making information in there. There's uh, let's just be honest, there's seduction information in there. And you do consulting and this is something you and I are going to talk about tomorrow privately. But go ahead um if you're a business out there um, you've got. You're not. I, I always say the average consultant sells theory, which means, well, you do this, you do that, um, you know, uh, maybe you'll get result Y. And in the meantime, write me the big check, and you're on your own. You you have one of the best guarantees. Um, I've you know,
1: actually, I have a co- consultation that guarantees to increase your gross sales by four four times. And cuts your work hours by fifty percent or your money back.
0: And you know, and, and and he honors it. I mean there's no I mean the, the, yeah, again, when you're dealing with the type of people that you deal with, um uh, reputation is paramount. And um obviously your reputation is very good or you wouldn't have access to the people you do. Well, and, too. and and that's one of the reasons that I would uh highly, highly endorse anybody out there that, if for no other reason, if, if, if you do nothing else, go over there and get a different spin and perspective on things. Because if you're spending your life up here watching CNN or Fox or reading these papers a certain way, you pretty much are. And, I, and I've said it, and it's harsh, but I honest to God believe 95% of the population are hypnotized sheep. And I think this is the type of information that, if nothing else, just even some of the free stuff you offer will wake your ass up and snap you out of it. And once you can step back and and, and see things from the outside, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, uh, you'll,
1: what, with my stuff, you'll find out what's happening to you when you watch Shrek. Or what, right. what uh, George Lucas is doing to you when he talks about The Force. The Force is his inside joke NLP.
0: Yeah. And you've taken NLP, which again is controversial, but it, the, it, it appears to me you've taken it. And what I like about your your copy, to a degree, is you're not. I mean, we can again. This is this is this is information. I'm not going to have Glenn come on here and give away. Uh, valuable information uh, on everything he does because that's not right. He has touched on a lot of things a lot of people wouldn't have even bothered touching on. But what I like about it is when I read through some of your stuff, you're giving specific things like three things to do to get this result, do this to get this result. So it's not a, your products are very, very uh, 1, 2, three A, B, C, and yep. uh, you're not getting fluff and filler.
1: That, that's because I created these initially for my clients, so I wouldn't have to teach them to sell or to do some of the things that were costing me money. I don't want to spend six hours on the phone teaching right. someone the basics, so I send them that.
0: So you're um, leveraging. Just, you, this was a great way yeah. to leverage. Uh, you have, yeah. You, it's, so I the just happen
1: to have an eBay side business, you know, where I sell this stuff too. So you guys benefit.
0: I I, I think it's um, like I said. My first reaction when I went to the uh, site and I saw that friggin' mouse with the red nose or whatever the hell it is, (laughs) I said, this is the weirdest friggin' thing I have ever seen (laughs) in my life, and... Ah. I had something I needed to do that night that related to my own business, and I got sucked into four hours of going through your stuff. So you started stuff, reading
1: so. about my Big Red Nose NLP yeah. testing club, right? <laughs> yep,
0: I, I got sucked into the rabbit hole. and well, see, um,
1: see, that's on purpose. Some people go screaming out of there, and I don't want to talk to them. I it actually does, blogged
0: yeah. you, and I told Sylvia, I said, I have no idea why in the hell at 6 in the morning. Now, not that I'm not usually up then, because I am, but I'm about to go to bed. I'm tired, and I'm over here blogging on the Barter Arbitrage. I know you're a member over there, and I'm making yep. a blog, and I said, I don't even know why the hell I'm writing this, but you <laughs> people should have nothing to do with Barter, really. You guys should just go check this out. And That's, that's strange, because I'm I, being somewhat... Connected with different marketers, I'm supposed to be on the lookout for stuff. I'm supposed to have a different eye than the average person, and I'm over here sucked in. And if and I'm finding benefit from it and, and applications. Well, and, there's uh, several it, hundred
1: million dollars of free case studies on that site.
2: So oh,
0: absolutely. I give a lot away. Yeah, I, I, you. That, that, that's the point. And um, like I said, um, I like the fact i've done i've done the particular one of the exercises. the other one i'm going to be doing i told you when we reopen on monday um When I've got access to the females around, and we'll be giving you my reports on both my my uh, problem with my body, as you know, beyond the EMS is the amount uh, I grew up in the '80s, so uh, Vinny indulged in a lot of toxins back then. He shouldn't have. So if Sylvia, I I I I, uh, you know where I'm going with this,
1: Sylvia, (laughs) I think it's wonderful. I'm
0: glad I'm doing it. It's also a discipline thing. It takes about three minutes a night, and it's I'm feeling better. My finger are typing better. I have uh, missed my last couple um, uh, therapy appointments and I told Sylvia last night, I said, you know what, I said, I'm really glad I've got access to this. And I've got a couple clients, uh, one who is uh, suffering now from Parkinson's, another gentleman who's got a wonderful wife that one day just um, started losing her legs completely um, and they're still not sure why. And, uh, the, the, you know, it, it, this is the type of stuff has nothing to do with me trying to make a buck because you just pretty much give it away, and well, um, it, it, it's powerful stuff. And I, and I wouldn't say it if I really didn't believe that. I'm not a snake oil well, salesman. These,
1: these exercises are things that I found from some of my mentors that are thousands of years old. Now, they wouldn't have survived unless they were rather incredible. So they have incredible energy and healing properties. So I and I know one of the up. ladies
0: involved awesome. in that, and it doesn't surprise me, uh, kept getting runner-up in the Nobel Prize category because, yep. they, you know, the pharmaceutical companies certainly do not want people to ever believe that it's possible that the body can do things that their $250 bottle of pills can't.
1: Yeah, they want to bill
0: um, that's a whole other topic. The problem, reaction, solution um, model that they use so effectively, which is, well, do you have any of these 197 symptoms? Of course, somebody does. No,
2: that's and that's, then that's
1: probably see. another show, right?
0: Yes, it is. But, um, <laughs> Glenn, man, it, it's a true honor, and I, I, I appreciate fun. the advice I... you gave Sylvia. Syl, uh, I, I, you and I talked earlier today, and. Um, I, I, I think it comes down to again, and, and anybody in her position where it's it's a it's a deal of um, I think you said it right. There's so, so there are ways out there to create some urgency, and I think in her case that's um, I think you gave her some good advice there as well. well.
1: Repetition works, you know. Once you got them, call them again. Warn them you're going to call them again, and man, and they gotta hop to it.
0: Yeah, and maybe create some scarcity in there, Glenn, because um, I I I I. I I almost think sometimes, look, you know, hey, I'm pretty sure off the record that we can get you approved. I've got a great lender, but he's not going to be here tomorrow. If you can get this to me tonight, I can try to race this through.
2: I think there's a lot of.
0: I think whatever whatever she does, I think she needs to create the sense of urgency, or because without that, you're the customer's controlling you.
1: We don't know. All we need to know is test, test, test. So you try each thing, and whatever works, that's what you go with. And as
0: you mentioned, she's testing on the right people. She's testing on the people who are actually the ones to test on. They're the ones with the applications.
1: That's correct.
0: uh, I don't know if she missed that part of the show, but uh, that that was was, – it's so logical. Some people say, duh, yeah, obviously, but I don't see it done as often as it should be. I see people going out with these so-called focus groups and like you say I see people asking bowling instructors what they think of this new golf club and I mean I'm using some facetious extreme examples but it happens all the time and then they roll out a product and wonder why nobody buys it. (laughs) I think you really hit, I think that the testing uh, part alone was powerful, but test well, the consumer that you're attempting to sell to.
1: Test test a lot of things fast. Test to the person and the niche group that you're selling to, and don't spend much or any money. That's the key. I just saw a guy profiling Apple's uh, launch strategy, and he mentioned that Apple's, you know, before they launch a new product, they don't spend any money on all this stuff. It's in blogs exactly. and, you know, um, viral uh, hints and you know, they're, they're just playing psychological games again just what you said scarcity of information is power
0: well Glenn Osborne you guys check him out I've got him all over Google now with that's my little <laughs> trick for that'll get you a cup of coffee but Glenn Osborne Thank NLP you, um, I, it, I've got 45 seconds so I got in it was a true honor Sylvia I hope you had a good day today. I want to wish everybody a very happy Father's Day, and I'm going to close out. Go check Glenn's stuff out. Sign up for the free easing. As always, may you live to see the dawn. May all your dreams come true, and may you always remain forever young. This is Vegas Fence. Good night. God bless. Thank you, everybody out there. Glenn, thank you, brother. I'll be in touch with I- you very soon.
2: So, thanks, Good night. Man.
1: Okay. I guess we got it <clears throat> mhm,
2: mhm.